Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Florida Prospect Report. I'm your co-host, Bailey, here with my co-host, Eric. Eric, it's great to have you back. Thank you. Thanks to everybody listening and everybody following. Uh, just very briefly, we had a couple weeks away, and I would say that that's probably because I was ill. I had a, a problem with one of my lungs, which is a big surprise because I'm a healthy person, but I did get into a bicycle accident and I had lung damage several years ago. So this is a, an unfortunate after effect. Uh, I was in the hospital, but now I'm out and I'm uh, much better. And uh, tonight, actually, I've gone to my, my second game in four days. So I think like we're both back on schedule so we can start reviewing uh, some of the games and some of the prospects that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. We're going to go back chronologically. So let's start with you and who you saw at Daytona. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, just uh, got to reiterate, you know, really glad that you're, you know, healthy and doing well. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh my first minor league game of the season was uh, Daytona versus Palm Beach, uh, Tortugas Cardinals. Uh, the Tortugas are the Reds affiliate, Cardinals, obviously the Cardinals. And, uh, well, what a game to start the year with. Um, the uh, Tortugas had a perfect game through six and a third, which oh, that's, that's the longest I've ever seen a perfect game uh, go, breaking my previous record of five and two thirds by – uh Ty Boyle of the 2018 Tortugas. If any listeners <laughs> out there know that name, uh you're cool. But um yeah, so uh that's a deep cut there, but a six and a third, and they gave up a walk, but they took a no-hitter into the ninth inning and they had a one-nothing lead. And the uh leadoff batter was hit by a pitch, allegedly. I was recording. I didn't see it hit him on the video or in live action, uh, but the umpire did. So, you know, I guess that's all that matters. And then they got an out and then another hit by pitch. So now there's two on, one out. Still no hitter through eight and a third. And then a man named Osvaldo uh, Tavon, I don't want to mispronounce his name, Tavon, hit a uh, walk-off three-run homer for the first and only hit of the uh, Cardinals game. And... Uh, you know, as someone who was, you know, rooting for the Tortugas, because uh, I like them, uh, that was a uh, bit unfortunate of an ending, but, you know, exciting nonetheless, I guess. But uh, so, you know, I didn't even talk about any of the players really yet, but just, you know, uh, what a what a weird game to start the season with. It sounds very minor league-ish and very Florida in the minor league-ish for uh, a sequence to happen like 90% one way. And then when it ends, it's, it's the exact opposite way. And sometimes it really only takes like one batter or less than three outs to, to change it around. But when you watch like as much baseball as us, that's not major league baseball. These are the kind of things that are kind of like common in our world, which I really, I kind of like it. I've seen a game end on a triple play. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so I, I think I remember once I saw that, I was like, okay, this is absolutely everything. 
I, you know, this is, I've seen everything. I'm only like 40 years old, but I, I think that that's like what makes our situation so unique and a little bit different than a lot of other fans. So who did you see that's a good player or a good prospect in that game? And did they do anything? You know, real quick, before I answer your question, I want to add on a little bit about your point there. Um, not only is it not Major League Baseball-like to see a game kind of transpire the way I saw it, I would almost consider it closer to like MLB The Show, like a video game. I had right. a hitter in that game. I was playing a game of Diamond Dynasty. I took a no-hitter into the ninth inning. It was, I had a 2 nothing lead. I blew it on a play my shortstop should have fielded. And then the next pitch, I gave up a game-tying home run. I didn't even put two and two together, but I guess that's art imitating life, life imitating art. Uh, There's a lot of things. Watch the majors. Like, we, you, even someone like us takes for granted how good a player is to be up there. Even if we criticize them and they're 0 for 26, they're up there because they make the plays that they're supposed to make almost all the time. So right. in the minors – that's it's not the antithesis but you just can't say that particular thing most right. guys in the minors do not make the plays they need to make all the time so it's it's a weird little kind of variance but you know we watch margin baseball and we watch low level minors baseball so i never thought i'd see a game end on a triple play and i remember my jaw was like so open for like 30 <laughs> seconds like oh my god yeah but, um, you know, to your question earlier, uh, the reason that uh, this was a no-hitter through a and a third obviously was the pitching. Uh, right. Two pitchers uh, who got it that far. Uh, the starter, Sam Benshoder, uh, he pitched four innings, obviously four perfect innings. And uh, Sam Benshoder was undrafted. He went to uh, Michigan State. He's from Ann Arbor, Michigan. And nobody drafted him last year. The Reds signed him in 2021 uh, as a uh, un, obviously an undrafted free agent. He uh, debuted in the uh, Complex League and uh, appeared three times, then pitched a little bit with Daytona at the end of the year. And now he's in Daytona once again. And this is a, this is a guy who I think could pop up on people's radars. Uh, he's pitched, you know, only 17 and two thirds innings this year. So uh, not a lot of uh, appearances just yet, but he has 28 strikeouts. I mean, you know, that's uh, almost two uh, per inning. Um, and, uh, you know, his FIP uh, at the time I saw him was 1.12, which is significant because his ERA is 4.05. That's a really big difference. Yep. Um, and I gotta gotta point out his uh, CSW uh, rate, like his called strikes, fifty eight percent, which is uh, that's obviously really above average. Uh, he was just nasty, you know, four innings, no uh, no hits, no walks, no base runners. He was perfect, and he struck out eight guys. So, hey, what's uh, his last name? Ben Schoder. Sam Ben Schoder. Okay. Um, so, you know, I just was extremely impressed with them. And then I was extremely impressed with the next guy, too. Um, Jose Franco uh, struck out eight guys, uh, four innings of relief. 
Um, you know, this is a guy who is probably even more, you know, of an under the radar name than Ben Schroeder, but he was just as good. Uh, obviously, you know, as you know, no hits, he pitched four innings. He did have the two walks, but besides that, just as dominant as Ben Schroeder. Um, you know, we're not going to talk about the third pitcher in the game who, uh, you know, uh, allowed the walk-off home run to be hit. But, you know, the first eight innings, that was some of the most dominant pitching I've ever seen. Like, I would put that up against, you know, what I saw from Uri Perez last year and, uh, you know, guys like that, like, you know, just eight no-hit innings. Like, just – and I wonder if it's almost like a symptom of, uh, you know, the new minor league pitch clock, you know, making the uh, pace of play go quicker, you know, giving hitters less time. Or, you know, maybe the Cardinals, you know, we were, we were talking with each other the other day, like, you know, the Cardinals don't have the most star-studded roster to start the year this year. You know, most of their big-name young guys are on the clock, uh, complex right now. They're not in Palm Beach, or at least on the Palm Beach Cardinals. So, you know, maybe not the strongest lineup. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, really dominant pitching from uh, Daytona. By the way, those names that are probably going to reach Palm Beach this year to give us something to look forward to for the rest of the season. You named three guys, uh, Tink Hans, Joshua Baez, and Ron Bin Show. Okay, those are really exciting players. Yeah. So I would hope that they move from the complex to the Cardinals really, really, really soon. And just randomly, another guy that's in a very similar situation that I think I mentioned to you and, uh, and our, another uh, couple of our friends that are Pirates fans, I'm watching uh, just about every day another guy I don't think is going to be in the rookie leagues if more than a few at-bats is the outfielder for Pittsburgh, uh, Braylon Bishop. I'm watching him in extended spring, and he just seems like he's a little bit more advanced. So if his development takes – you know, big chunks forward at a time, I would not be surprised. And and a big chunk is like missing the rookie league or skipping the rookie leagues and going to, to low A. So I could see a, a path where that happens. I guess this is like uh, maybe on a future show, we'll see how right I was if, if we remember. But right, so Palm Beach won't be talent devoid and empty for like the whole season. Right, kind yeah, of. they're gonna. There's gonna be some names I'm gonna be looking forward to seeing. Um, as it presently stands, you know, not a bunch. But if you're in Florida, uh, people listening right now, yeah, obviously Eric's in Florida. But, uh, <laughs> people out there in Florida, uh, definitely go check out Daytona. Uh, the Tortugas, they've got a good roster. In addition to the two pitchers I just mentioned, uh, they have three former first round picks on their team. Chase Petty, who I unfortunately not. I did not go on a night he was pitching, but I did get to see uh, Jay Allen, who was a first-round pick last year. Uh, I did not see Austin Hendrick, of course. I went to the one game he didn't play in that series, but I've seen him in the past. I I am familiar with his game. Uh, Jay Allen is a really intriguing player, uh, plus speed, plus raw power, above-average defense. Um, like a lot of players, I think it, his profile hinges on – how well his hit tool uh, pans out. Uh, I was really impressed, uh, you know, clearly based on how I'm talking about him right now. Uh, he turned a ground out into a three base error because he pressured the pitcher because he was running so fast down the line. 
Um, and, you know, he hit a ball really hard later in the game. It was 102 miles per hour. Third baseman made an insane dive, diving catch to rob him of an extra base hit. But everything I saw at the plate from him was really positive. Uh, made some nice plays in uh, center field as well, uh, one, uh, which at the time uh, was preserving a no-hitter, so even more valuable of a play. Uh, this is a guy I'm really looking forward to seeing again next month when Daytona comes back in town. Uh, and another guy who is really interesting is Austin Hendrick. Um, you know, he had some injuries last year. Um, I don't. I feel like we've talked about him on a previous show at some point. Yeah, with Justin. Um, Right, yeah, I think I'm 99%. His name had to have come up. It definitely um, did. Speaking of which, shout out to Justin Rock. If you guys are, remember, uh, he was the guest on the Reds episode and uh, really informative uh, uh, discussion. He was, he's pretty much the, the first guy in on Ellie Dela Cruz because no one had heard of Ellie. And, uh, you know, Justin is Daytona's uh, radio announcer. So, you know, he was the first guy to get eyes on Ellie and be like, hey, this is a guy who looks really, really good. So, um, you know, definitely. But we have reason to trust him and his evaluation, obviously. Right. Yep. So definitely, uh, you know, go back and listen to that episode if you want some uh, more Reds talk. And, you know, thank you again to Justin. He brought me and my dad up into the, uh, the radio booth for an inning uh, at that Daytona game uh, against the Cardinals. So really nice of him. So thank you to him. And, uh, you know, back to Austin Hendrick. He got off to a really slow start this year. 0 for 11 with eight strikeouts. Um, you know, that's not good. And then the, the second after I went to that game, uh, he hit three home runs in that series, a two-homer game on, on the Sunday of that series. He left Palm Beach with a 197 WRC+, plus, which is, you know, amazing. And it looks like he's finally making some progress. Um, so, you know, may, maybe there's – I mean, you know, he has the pedigree. He was 12th overall pick. Um, and, you know, he's, he's come down to earth a little bit since that series. But, you know, a 760 OPS, it's not bad. It's pretty much where he was last year. But he's swinging the bat a little bit more. So uh, he hasn't homered since that series. So – I don't know. I think this is a guy who's probably going to spend more time in Daytona and, you know, hope that he can put together some more hot streaks and, uh, you know, just start to develop a little bit more. When you talk about Allen, it's really one of my favorite things when you have somebody in like the lower minors or the part that we pay attention to, who's not necessarily getting by on athleticism, but if you watch them over a series, you can just see how they're running, jumping, moving, throwing, reacting, first step type of stuff is a little bit more advanced than guys who are a little less athletic or a little more stiff. So right. it's fun to see that separation. Then they advance. And if they can mix everything together, they become like somebody like Michael Harris, who's just like oh yeah, maximizing right now and just showing that wherever you want to put a ceiling, it just might not be high enough. So that's, you know, for, for what we like to do, that's, you know, that's one, that's really one of the best parts. One of the worst parts is, you know, we can talk about this in terms of uh, your dad and a game that we went to and missed and a, a player that's started off so hot. We had plans to go see Fort Myers or Clearwater in Fort Myers a week ago to watch Andy Painter 
who's yep. gotten off to a super hot start. And we were pumped and we were hyped and we were in the stadium and we were meeting celebrities and it started raining. And then we had to, uh, to miss that game. So, you know, where there is good stuff to see and it's like almost always available, like the one thing that can interrupt us or throw us even just like moderately off course is uh, a wayward thunderstorm. So we both haven't seen Andy Painter this year. Well, we haven't seen Andy Painter pitch this year. Yeah. I actually sat with him in a spring training game uh, because he's friends with uh, Kobe Mayo's dad. But uh, I would rather have seen him, I don't know, strike out nine guys in four innings. That would have been nice. Right. So hopefully we've talked about this a lot. Hopefully we can time it where we can see him before his imminent call up. Yeah, hopefully. I'm seeing uh, Clearwater at the end of May. It's not on a Saturday, which is when he usually pitches. So not going to see him pitch most likely, but, uh, you know, still be just cool to meet him. Um, and the last thing I want to add on the Daytona game, and then I'm, I'm done talking about that for now, uh, is your lean confidant. Uh, he got a lot of hype in the Dynasty baseball community last summer, uh, debuted in the Arizona Complex League and looked really good. Uh, you know, he has a lot of raw power. Uh, and, he's, you know, it's interesting because he's not a big guy. Like, I took a nope. picture of him in the, the on-deck circle. And someone, like, replied to my tweet of the picture, like, like making a comment that he needed to bulk up, which I didn't appreciate. Like, I feel like, you know, that's not their place. But regardless, you know, so it, it's, it is interesting with someone with his build, you wouldn't expect him to have the kind of power he does, I guess is what I'm saying. But um, looked really good when I saw him. He had, a, you know, the one RBI hit for Daytona, you know, as it was a one nothing game through eight innings, 101 miles per hour off the bat. And um, since that series, you know, he's been playing really well. Uh, he's a 780 on base per, or sorry, not not on base percentage. That'd be insane. 780 OPS. On um, you know, at the end of the series, I saw him. It was at 718. So he's uh, trajectory is going up. Uh, so you know, I think Confidon's definitely a guy who should be on people's radars. I'd probably have him, maybe definitely top 15 in the red system, borderline top 10. Uh, you know, pretty exciting name. Yes, and I also like the fact I, we can make it known at any time we are not a the type of show or pair of friends that use social media for body shaming. We watch a lot of players. They come in different shapes and sizes, yep. just like human beings do. So for every Jason Dominguez, there's an Anthony Garcia, and they can both be absolutely excellent in what they do. So that's really what we pay attention to, you know, so uh, different athletes are, are built uh, a little differently. Uh, speaking of those two, I watched the Tarpons beat the Bradenton Marauders tonight, just about two and a half hours ago. It was my second time seeing the Marauders. So I can talk for a little bit on what they were last year and what they are this year. Last year, I went to uh, 50 games, at least, including the playoffs for them. And this year, I've only gone to two. So the sample sizes are obviously not, not equal. But uh, last year, they had a really uh, strong nucleus from the very beginning, including Andy Rodriguez, gone. 
Dario Lopez, gone. Michael Escado, gone. Uh, Santiago or Adrian Florencio, the pitcher, gone. Luis Ortiz, gone. Wandy Montau, gone. Emmanuel Mejia, bullpen pitcher, gone. So really a lot of their main contributors have moved up deservedly. The ones that are left are uh, Alex Mojica, Alexander Mojica, one of my favorite players in all the minors. Uh, Jace Bowen, he's still there. And uh, a few pitchers that weren't really in the nucleus from last year, Christian Charles, uh, Po Yu Chen, uh, Justin Mice. So what I'm noticing is the nucleus, the guys that moved on, uh, were really the glue that held the team together. And right now, they, they just don't have that glue. They don't have that vibe of success. I don't want to say it's nine dudes doing different things because it's definitely not. But the chemistry that's built in that April, May, June, it's, it's just not there yet. Um, another guy that I like, uh, say Chen or Chun Cheng, an infielder that I've watched, uh, from the rookie leagues advanced till now, you know, this is a guy whose best skills are, uh, plate zone or strike zone recognition and letting the ball kind of get into his kitchen as a hitter. What I've seen in the, I guess, uh, two games worth of at-bats are he's doing neither of those things. He's swinging at the ball ahead of him and he's swinging at pitches that are not hitters pitches. They're much more pitchers pitches. So I've seen this guy have before two day, four days ago, I've never even seen him have a bad plate appearance. So as much as I kind of don't want to admit it and my bias is ahead of me, you know, this guy's having a tough time adjusting even though his numbers are like we reviewed they're not they're really not horrible and on this team they kind of stand out as pretty good but I think he could do much better and I think against the caliber of pitching that he's facing uh I, I expect him to do much better uh Alex Mojica is off to a, a much slower start uh he's making poor decisions at pitches too uh but they do have uh like a statistical uh, standard setter, the corner Jacob Gonzalez. He's off to a great start. He's profiling as a cleanup hitter. His OPS is over a thousand. Sometimes, you know, depending on where he is streak-wise, it's like over twelve hundred. So this is a guy that's that's going to get called up probably. You know, the start of call-up season is mid-May. That's two weeks away. So anytime between then and June. So I've watched them. I'm going to watch them uh, a lot more, but, uh, you know, one of the coolest things about baseball is like having a standard and having a team like get there right now. They're, they're not there, but, uh, their manager, I have a podcast. I'll say it every single time that I bring this guy up, this guy as a manager had basically a perfect season last year, the right substitutions, the right lineups, the right pitching moves, the right defense, the perfectly timed hit and runs and steals. So the manager's name is Jonathan Johnson. And I would say that if you have a perfect season and make an average team play above their level, you're going to, you're going to move up yourself as an instructor or a teacher. So 
it's just like one of the things that I'm noticing when I go to the games, their manager and their coaching staff really puts a lot of data work into their decisions and they, they end up working. So I guess that's really a mouthful on the, the Bradenton Marauders. You know, you have Daytona on your side. I have Bradenton over here and uh, they got, they got a little ways to go, but I'm going to be watching. So I'll be making note of all, all the progress. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, inter the interesting thing, uh, thing that, you, that you mentioned is uh, Sung Che Chang, uh, you know, really good numbers in the uh, uh, complex league, as you point out, yep. with, uh, yep. you know, minimal power. And, you know, if you look at his stats this year, I'm looking on fan graphs, they're pretty good. I mean, uh, you know, the OPS, sorry, not, I did it again. On base for seven, right. 360. Uh, WRC plus 135. He has two home runs, which, you know, in one or in one month as a guy with little power, that's not bad at all. You know, Fangraphs grades him as 20 game power, 20 raw power. That is his ceiling and floor. It's not like, um, you know, with his hit towards 35 present, 60 future. They give him 2020. They say, you know, they don't see any power projection in, in him, which is, certainly possible but for a guy who's you know he's hit two home runs this month for Bradenton you know in a stadium that's hard to hit in in a league in a yep. state that is known for um, suppressing power numbers that's kind of impressive and with that being said he's striking out 23 percent of the time which is that's not him because he struck out nine percent of the time last year so that's why I think it's so valuable that you give this kind of information on him because people who are not watching on in person or on MILB TV as Bradenton is the only team in the Florida State League with televised games. They won't know that the process he's taking is different than his process last year. And, and I can even I can even supplement it just a, a bit further with this this brief thought. The reason that my standards for him are so high that they may be even considered unreasonable is because when he was in the rookie league, his team was bad but because of him and how he did they were actually good so he's the one guy that could influence a whole lineup and defense and staff to be better than they were so it's almost like the the quasi scout in me is like all right dude when are you going to do that here because the pitching you're facing isn't that much better so it, it seems like he's laying the foundation but i still i kind of want more so, and yeah. I expect more. So he'll be a name that I'm obviously following super closely from, from now until the end of the season. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like he's being more aggressive at the plate and uh, overall it's not, it's not going poorly. Um, but, you know, for his profile, uh, you would like to see him refine it a bit. You know, he's only 20 and um, this is his first time in a in full season ball. So I think, I'm still very much in on him. I know you are too. So, uh, you know, very, very uh, good name to keep an eye on. And, uh, and there, are, there are like some positives emerging. I've seen the outfielder Sergio Campagna for a couple years. He looks like he's got enough range to cover that big outfield. He played center tonight. You know, I, it was really cool. Him coming in and out on fly balls. And then Jason Dominguez doing the same thing, even like a little bit faster or maybe even a little bit more range. So Campania's good. It looks like they have a cool RBI guy, Rodolfo Nolasco, 
who also did stuff in the rookie league. So uh, he's making an adjustment. So it's not, it's not all negative, but yeah, I have kind of high standards for the teams I like and they were the champions last year. So I bet that standards like in their locker room also. And Tampa is a good team with uh, a pretty good uh, roster. Uh, something to speak on on that, actually. I got to the game tonight. I'm walking like, like a little kid. I'm so giddy walking to the Tampa bullpen. I hear a pitcher warming up before the game. And I'm like, I know the person that's catching is Antonio Gomez. I can't wait to film Antonio Gomez. I had my camera on like as I'm walking it and he wasn't there. It was another catcher. So I walked, I went right to the roster. I noticed he's, Gomez is not on the roster. He's slumping. So they sent him down to the FCL. So oh, he's wow. not, right. I didn't even know that. Yeah, me uh, neither. Our, our friend, John Brophy, sent me the tweet, his own tweet. With the, it was a picture of his face, John's face. So he tweeted that Gomez is slumping and got sent down to the, to the FCL and I must have, or the Gulf Coast League, whatever it is. And I must have, I must have missed it. So this is like my favorite player in the minors. I can go see him in the rookie leagues, but I expected to see him tonight or sometime in the series. And, and I guess I won't, but it's just a reminder that, you know, development doesn't always go forward. Sometimes it goes backwards in big steps. So I'm extremely confident that he'll write the ship and be back with an affiliate very soon. It was just kind of somewhat noteworthy. I'm missing my guy. Yeah, definitely. I'm a huge fan of him too. I met him last season. Really nice guy. And he, he, uh, I won a Twitter giveaway of him. Uh, he gave me his Oh, that's bat. right. You have his bat. Yeah. yeah I'm, uh, I got to thank him in person when I, whenever I see Tampa this year, I think I'm seeing them against St. Lucie at some point. Um, and I, I want to spotlight a guy you saw before I talk about my final game. We're going to talk about on this episode, uh, Jacob Gonzalez, uh, he was a second round pick in 2017, 58th overall. Um, this is a guy who I admittedly have not heard of going into this season, which he slipped past us. Yeah. And um, he's the son of Luis Gonzalez, um, the, you know, heroic Diamondbacks legend. Uh, Gonzalez, the son, uh, Jacob, debuted in 2017, the year he was drafted in the, uh, in the, uh, Arizona Complex League, put up really nice stats. Then he spent two full seasons, uh, slightly over 500 plate appearances a peach each year uh, in Lowe Augusta and just didn't put up good numbers. And uh, obviously 2020 was a wash. Then 2021, start of the year in uh, high A, Eugene was overmatched again. They sent him back to the Complex League and he tore it up there. Uh, then the Pirates took him in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft. And, you know, as a 23-year-old, almost 24, he turns 24 in a uh, little under two months. He's off to an incredible start, you know, 1,200 OPS. Uh, he's getting on base literally half the time. His WRC Plus is 247. Obscene. His average is 100. That's just right. insane. Four home runs. Um, you know, this is – you know, you mentioned earlier in the episode, guys are going to start earning promotions within the next two, three weeks. This is a guy, you know, who's definitely in, in that uh, conversation. Just a matter of when there's an open roster spot in Greensboro. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to talk about him a little bit. 
And um, last week I was in Jupiter for, uh, or I guess it was two weeks ago at this point. Wow. Uh, Jupiter versus St. Lucie, Hammerheads, Mets. Uh, Jupiter's lineup was headed by uh, two really good hitters, Jose Salas, Khalil Watson. Uh, I've seen Salas before, and he was as good as I remembered. Uh, let off the game with a walk, stole a base. Then he, well, it was called a single. The, you know, it was a single. It was 105 miles per hour off the bat, exit velocity, 384 feet to right field. I could have sworn it was gone off the bat. Like, looked like a no-down home run. Bounced off the wall. Ended up getting thrown out at second. Uh, but really should have been an extra base hit. Just uh, some some bad luck there. But it was a really nice hit. And uh, so he was the designated hitter, so I didn't get to see him in the field. But two the uh, two plate appearance he had, really nice. So I'm uh, I'm sold on Jose Salas. I think the power will come, and he will be a superstar. Uh, then Khalil Watson is a really fun uh, uh, profile. I mean, he homered uh, like four times in his first week of professional baseball while also striking out like half the time. And the game I saw from him was pretty much a microcosm of how his first month of his career has gone. Uh, he had a uh, single in the uh, third inning, 105 miles per hour off the bat. You know, that's really insane power. And his other three at-bats uh, resulted in strikeouts. And uh, two of those at-bats, he struck out uh, against Keyshawn Askew, who I'm going to talk a little bit more about in a second. But uh, it was the same pitch both times, basically, or at least the strike three. Uh, you know, Askew hit him with this, like, uh, slider. He must have thrown it to him in total in those two at-bats, like, at least six times. Like, he kept just throwing this slider that was finishing in the right-handed batter's box, and Khalil just couldn't lay off it. So. You know, I've seen people on Marlins Twitter like, yo, Khalil Watson already has like, you know, six home runs this year. Um, sorry, five home runs this year. Call him up. He has a 160 WRC plus, which truly is really good. Uh, call him up. Send him to Beloit. Uh, he's also striking out 44% of the time, which is honestly insane. Just the fact that he's striking out half the time. That's, that's so close to half. And he has an on-base percentage of 325 and is slugging 577. Like, it's just, I mean, this is the most extreme version of a right. true three come out, true three outcome hitter. Um, I, is it sustainable? Probably not. But in yeah. low A, is it sustainable? I guess. But no, this is not a guy you can promote yet to um to high a but i do think it's a guy who once he learns to hone the strikeout uh, the strike zone a bit, a, a bit better uh he will be like a superstar level hitter i mean when he makes contact the ball goes such a long way at such a high exit velocity so i do think you know give him two three months in jupiter and this is going to be just that strikeout rate will will fall and he's going to be uh much more well-rounded hitter, but, you know, development is not linear. He's going to need time in, uh, in Jupiter and it's going to be a process, but I'm, uh, from what I saw from him, you know, offensively, I'm, I'm intrigued. And, you know, last thing I'll say defensively uh, also is uh, 
not fully there yet, but very similar to offense. There's good be- good pieces and bad pieces. I'll say that uh, in the first inning, he made a really phenomenal diving play, uh, scoop it up, throw to first to uh, save a run. Which they where is he? Pl- where is he playing? Shortstop. Yes. Okay. So they, you know, they won by one run. You could argue that one run Active. was saved by him. Uh, but then again, you know, in the ninth inning, he made an error and that loaded up the bases with only uh, one out. So if St. Lucie didn't gift Jupiter a uh, runner's interference, which resulted in a double play, um, it would have cost him again. Tied. So, you know, I guess Khalil at shortstop takes and gives. But uh, overall, this is, a, this is a even more so than Solace. This is a future superstar. Um, I really just can't even say an, enough positive things about it. I am really, really high on him. This is – I always have him as the Marlins' top hitting prospect and second overall in the system only behind, obviously, Uri Perez. Um, but, uh, you know, just – there's just there's just so much to like between you know the power and then obviously the the defense. I just think he needs time in Jupiter to really hone his craft. And you know he's only he's only uh, he just turned 19 two weeks ago, so he's a really young guy. And um, you know just it's going to be a pleasure seeing him develop in Jupiter this year. I think he's, he's just such an electric player, honestly. So we'll have the chance to watch him almost no matter how good he does, you know, we're going to have a handful of series that we can choose from. On the other team, Port St. Lucie, there's a guy that's off to such a a hot and positive start that when we talk about him, we kind of are like counting the series until he's gone. Right, So who who is that and what did he show you? Yeah, great segue. Uh, Alex Ramirez, you know, um, I wrote an article about this game, was a recap, and Khalil Watson was not my uh, cover photo for the article. It was Alex Ramirez because I was so impressed with Alex Ramirez. Um, he had a multi Mets outfielder. Yes, he had a two-hit game, two for three with a double. He leads the Florida State League in hits. He, ha- he has a uh, – uh, just just the stats are insane. I don't – I am uh, skeptical of how long he's going to be in uh, the Florida State League. I mean, a 420 – Batting average, uh, the OPS is above a thousand. WRC plus two oh seven. I'm just, you know, just this is right. a guy who's, in my opinion, already a top 100 prospect. And I think by, I'm gonna say by June, end of June, will be more universally thought of in this light once more people see him. But you know, I was so impressed with him that I am gonna be. Uh, Seeing him again on Thursday, I was not supposed to be going to the game in Palm Beach this week just because, you know, when I got the schedule, I saw St. Lucie's coming two out of three weeks in a row. And I was, you know, we were like, do we really care about seeing the same team, you know, twice? Like we've already seen those guys, but, you know, Ramirez was so impressive. Like I have to get another look at him before he gets promoted because then after that, I I don't see uh, St. Lucie again until first week of June. It's very possible Ramirez gets promoted before then. So, right, uh, you know, he's going to be hopefully uh, May 5th uh, uh, will be, you know, doesn't get promoted today. That would be bad luck for me. But I, I'm not convinced he stays another month in St. Lucie, especially because he was already on the team last year. And, um, you know, I said earlier, 
Keyshawn Askew of the Mets struck out Khalil Watson twice. Got to talk about Keyshawn a little bit. Uh, this was a 10th round pick out of Clemson in the 2021 draft. Uh, in my article, I mentioned how I saw Ellie De La Cruz in July of last year. And my dad and I were both like, how is this not guy not, you know, on top 100 or not top 100, just any prospect list. Like you can't find any information about this guy yet. His build, his work ethic, his like just how he looks on the field screams like, like just superb, like a really good player. And then, of course, now Ellie De La Cruz, top 100 prospect, top three in the red system. Uh, some sites have him as uh, uh, higher than that. Um, you know, he's the top hitting prospect in the system right now. So, you know, he's getting the justice he deserves. But, you know, when I saw him in July, that was not the case. And, uh, and you know, my point with this is I didn't know who Ellie De La Cruz was, admittedly, going into that game in July because really no one knew who he was. Uh, and and uh, Keyshawn Askew, I wasn't really familiar with him either. And this was arguably the most – this was the most impressive pitcher I saw wow. on uh, Wednesday. He went four innings, eight strikeouts, only one base runner who reached via a hit. Uh, his delivery is so unique. Uh, he's a lefty. Uh, he has a, he had a 43% CSW rate. Uh, he's topped out at 92.3 on his sinker, which is his fastball. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to use him as a starter or a reliever long-term, but he did go four innings. So maybe they're going to stretch him out, but you know, just a really impressive pitcher. This is another guy like, you know, I, I hope to at the very least meet him on Thursday because I didn't meet him at the other game and hopefully, you know, see him pitch again because I was just so impressed. And another uh, last point I'll make also, uh, it's, I, I pointed this out in my article, Tyler McGill, eighth round pick, Jacob deGrom, ninth round pick, Keyshawn Askew, 10th round pick. Is Askew uh, the next late round pitching gem of the Mets? I think that's a bit of a uh, – stretch to make this early in his career but if he keeps posting numbers like he did last week uh against jupiter it won't be as much of a stretch so i think this is of all the pitchers i've talked about today i think this is the guy who is the most impressive um and i think should be on everyone's radar and he's a college guy so i think if he has a couple more good outings he'll definitely get promoted to columbia because you know he's uh he's already got some experience under his belt I think having this show, watching so much baseball and knowing new and different guys all the time, it's, you know, it's really meeting our exact objective. We want to talk about guys that are a little bit under the radar, a little bit underutilized, a little bit less attention than, than normal guys. Sometimes we mention a lot of big names because they back clean up or third of the games we see. And most of the times they do well, but there's other contributors with other outstanding skills. So bringing them to uh, bring them to the forefront and, and, and paying attention to them is kind of like what we're all about. It, it sounds to me like Ramirez is on a similar track to one of my and our favorite prospects, Gunnar Henderson on the Orioles. Yep. He's in double A at age 20. And he's, he's not in over his head at all. He's doing big things and showing de these developmental chunks. 
swing decisions, walk rate, less errors, more range, all the big things. So it seems like maybe Ramirez could be like an outfield version of that this time next year. So see him when you can see him. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's a totally uh, spot on comp in terms of and, development. And uh, transitioning from uh, everything that's not Orioles to the Orioles, yep. I can say that I have uh, started to go to their uh, extended spring training games. They have six a week, four a week, five a week, whatever it is. They don't play on Wednesdays and Sundays. And there's a lot of weather during the middle of the day. So uh, I can talk about a couple of things that, that I've seen. Uh, the things that really kind of stand out or the guys that really stand out are, uh, first of all, <laughs> Matt Harvey. <laughs> he's on the Orioles and he's pitching against 18 uh, and 19 year olds. So I guess he had five perfect innings his last start. Uh, he pitched today, this morning I went, and he, he wasn't perfect, but he, he left with uh, uh, no runs given up. And I want to say in his five innings out of those 15 outs, he had eight strikeouts, at least maybe even more. So he's obviously not a prospect, but it's I like seeing guys in my uniform beat other players. But the, the pitcher that is a prospect, that's showing uh, a lot, and it's been really positive. That's Carter Baumler, who was drafted in 2020. He got uh, he injured his elbow at the the pitching camp, the draft camp of that year. So he had Tommy John, and uh, the procedure went well, and the rehab is going great. Now he's in the build-up phase, so he's going three innings at a time. Soon, uh, I imagine at the end of May, he'll transition to. Uh, four innings at a time or maybe something uh, slightly longer, but it's his job to dominate nine outs at a time. So because I'm watching them, I memorized the rotation. I knew before I didn't have to be told that he was pitching uh, Monday, yesterday. So uh, I also know when he's pitching next without having to, to discuss that, but it's going to be three innings and his three innings are, are going uh, really, really well. I guess like nine outs at a time. So for Orioles fans that are concerned, uh, he's, 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 all of his pitches are moving where they want to be. The break and the rip on the slider are just not there because he's just not in that usage and throwing groove. So that's something that he'll, you know, during that build-up phase, he'll get used to you know, really yanking it down and getting that, that true diagonal pull um, so that, that's one, uh, the, the big money international free agent signing Michael Hernandez. I've not seen him often. In fact, I haven't seen him play in the last five games. That kind of tells me that he's probably hurt. He's not on any injured list that I get or see. So it might not be anything serious. Um, in that international class, there was another guy, a catcher, Samuel Basayo, He's very, very young and immature in the game, but his body is so big. He's easily at age 18, 6'3", 225 or 235. He's just a massive guy. I have pictures, video up on my Twitter, so you can go look at it. But this is a, a just kind of like Kobe, a good 
movement athlete who happens to be large and long-limbed. He's a catcher that can pop out of his squat and throw guys out. I posted a video today of him throwing a runner out by four and a half feet. Just a great throw and a great tag. The runner didn't have the, be the best jump, but you got to see his arm. Yesterday, he played first base at Pirate City. He's running away, away from first base. He catches one sliding over his shoulder. So the little elements of athleticism for a big person, they're, they're being shown. So that's positive. Another guy in that class was Anderson De Los Santos. He's a corner man, very quiet, very non-demeanor changing, no matter what happens. So um, he bats fourth. His at-bats are pretty long. He doesn't swing at pitcher's pitches. So he's off to a, a good start in his development also. So, you know, going to the going to the Orioles and knowing some of the players and some of the staff people, reading the roster and paying attention. It's uh, it's a lot and it might seem like overwhelming, but it's basically like what I choose to do uh, with my life. So I'm basically just doing this to fill the time until the games count. And that's when the rookie league that's at the end of June, a lot of the names on my roster are going to be uh, those same names also. To that end, in, in summary, it's so much Orioles information, like really all the time, every day, like really like 20 topics a day, I've decided to start an Orioles minor league podcast with my friend, uh, Jared. Jared, uh, his name is Jared Pinder. We both write for Utah Street Report, a website from Baltimore about the Orioles. And we both are very minor league uh, heavy like super heavy, like we don't even watch the Orioles. So a lot of the things that he ends up writing are things where I was like, wow, I could have wrote that or I kind of feel the same way. So it's really, we'll, we'll get that off the ground in the next couple of days. And uh, it's something that I look forward to because again, there's just so much Orioles stuff in my mind and on paper and every single day, it just seemed like a, a natural like spinoff or offshoot of, of what we do. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that in the in the subsequent weeks as I go to more extended spring training. And like I said, build towards the, the rookie leagues. Definitely, yeah, that'll be an exciting opportunity for sure. And we'll definitely, you know, promote it here. And uh, I'm looking forward to listening to it. Um, you know, just from what you said, obviously, you know, Car I'm 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 most intrigued by uh, Carter Baumler and uh, Samuel Basayo, you know, really. Uh, just really good to hear positive stuff about him, oh, especially yeah. Baumler coming off the injury. And uh, I think the Orioles are doing the right thing this year by just taking it slow with him. There's really no need to rush him back from, you know, such a major injury and surgery. Uh, you know, just have him pitch in shorter stints this year and gets through the year. Then, you know, next year you can uh, stretch him out a little more. But I, uh, I think they're definitely taking the right approach with him. And I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how his uh, development progresses. Hopefully, maybe, possibly, even in person. You do live in Florida, and they will be playing until, I want to say the Rookie League ends in September. Right, so yeah, and I'll be in Fort Myers in August. So if the Orioles come to Fort Myers, you know, in that month, maybe I can make it to one of those games if I don't have class that day. So, uh, if not, I'll be filming it. Yeah. So, um, 
But uh, for now, that about wraps it up, I think. Well, actually, no, we have one more announcement. We have one very important announcement from Eric. Right. Uh, Eric, take it away. Sometimes people like send me or write to me when they get called up or when they have uh, like a major transaction and I feel like a real reporter. Like I get to break some news. Like last week, it was uh, the Orioles catcher, Creed Williams. His family was so proud that they like wrote to me first. So I got to announce that Creed is going from the extended spring training to uh, low A Delmarva. So this is something in a very similar vein. Uh, someone who we've talked about at length on this show, including with your boy Jake, when we went through the race system, is a pitcher named Davion Whittle. Davion's been in this part of Florida rehabbing for a long time. He faced a setback and he had to rehab from that also, but he's always kept his head up. And he wrote to me today that he's going to uh, Charleston and he's very proud. And obviously we are super proud for him. So uh, I don't want to like waste too much time, but I'll just say out of all the names that we talk about, guys that are deserving of more attention, more support and more recognition, I would put him, if not at the very top of that list, near near the top so i told him I, I won't get to like see him in person but i'll be watching over uh milb and everybody else should davion widow is finally out of the complex league out of port charlotte and to an affiliate and uh you know like when i go to bed at night it'll make me feel pretty good so i'm very I'm very happy for him i really i want to shut up but i could talk for like 20 more minutes just about him so yeah. Thank you for thank you for allowing me the time to make this announcement. <laughs> now I'm done. <laughs> yeah, well, gotta love it. You know, shout out to Davion. Um, you know, like like you said, my my uh, my boy Jake loves him like that. Uh, he did an interview in twenty. I, I think it was twenty nineteen with Davion. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. So uh, you know, J Jake could not say enough nice things about him. Just absolutely loves him, and, and I know you do too. So uh, you know. Gonna gonna look forward to seeing him on TV pitching for Charleston. Uh, but for now, that about wraps it up. Uh, of course, stay tuned for future episodes as uh, Eric and I are going to more baseball games this week and next week. So there will be more to talk about in the very near future. Uh, so thank you all for listening and peace out.